It's possible. Welcome to Hence the Future podcast. I'm Adam Cronin, and today we're discussing the future of music. With us today is Connor Walden. Connor, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be here. So for those who don't know, Connor is the younger brother in the Walden Brothers duo who create all of the music and sound bites for this podcast. And Connor is someone who I've grown up with and someone who from an early age has been knowledgeable about music and really has lived through all of the changes, at least in our lifetime, that we've seen in the music industry. And we're going to explore all of those, you know, how preferences are changing, how music discovery is changing, music creation, how what it means to become a music star is also changing. Uh, But I think a good place to start off would be to talk about the Hence the Future theme song. How did you create it? What was the process from the inspiration that I gave you initially to the recording? And I think that'll be a good place to start because we'll kind of see what does modern music creation look like? Yeah, well, you know, it all started when you told me the idea for your podcast, obviously. And we, we'd talked about it a good amount. And I know that you've been planning on doing this for a while. And so I was really excited when you asked me to do the project. I was you know, really excited. And you, you showed me a couple of songs and uh, a few ideas of where you wanted to go with it and kind of what vibe you wanted to get. And so, you know, yeah. And the, and the initial songs I chose, I thought the twilight zone was one good <laughs> inspo yeah. because it kind of has that futuristic feel to it. And then I also showed a whitest boy alive song, which I just love their whole rhythm and, and vibe. Um, but then the funny thing was that I actually, the song that I thought would be the right inspo, you ended up using a different song as inspo yeah. and then the net result was like amazing. I mean, everyone loves the the song. So, yeah. And then how did you actually create it? You know, logistically, like is the first thing that you do create the beat and then how do you, you know, bring in the, the lyrics and wh- what do you find the sound bites? Like take me a little bit through your creative process. Yeah, well, you know, I think, and and you brought up the fact that I ended up using a different song than <laughs> than you originally said, and I, I think that's a huge part of music creation in itself is, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of these mistakes that that kind of happen that you know if you if you see them through, they end up being kind of the best decision that you could have made. Yeah. Happy accidents. Yeah, lucky exactly. Accidents. But as far as as far as making the song, um, yeah, I sat down with my brother. We started out with. A beat that kind of went um, with with the vibe and and um, you know with some of the ideas that you would talk to me about and I, I kind of talked to Will and he's my brother and this amazing guitar player he's yeah you know on tour right now he just performed at Coachella and that's awesome what's and, his group's name again just for our listeners um, he's playing with Griffin he's an electronic awesome. act and Will's playing guitar uh, with him around the world at these music festivals it's really great oh. to see but so you and will sat down together and then was he playing guitar and then you were sort of controlling the electronic components yeah exactly so nice. you know we were just kind of talking about it and um he just pretty much immediately laid down that first little guitar riff that you hear and followed it up with this beautiful bass line just in a matter of minutes it was pretty yeah pretty unbelievable and i kind of you know, reworked the drums around 
his ideas and um, added in some synth and a few of those samples that we had talked about that yeah. came from the Twilight Zone idea. Right. By the way, we are creating a new song for Hence the Future that uses, plays off of the It's Possible soundbite. And we might actually have that in this episode. Yeah. It's ready in time. So yeah. That's I'm excited for that. Definitely. Yeah. So I'd like to talk more now about, in general, how has music production changed and the way that people create music. I mean, obviously in the past, you used to have to have someone who actually knows how to play bass, someone who actually knows how to play guitar, who knows how to play piano. And you have to get all these people in the same room and record. And that was how you created a song. Now, obviously, it's a lot different. So maybe, you know, through the lens of your own personal experience where, you know, what was like growing up were musicians or uh, instruments a part of, of your household? I mean, I know you come from a musical family. And then how have you seen the different tools evolve over time where, you know, initially there was, it was pretty early on with, with electronic music creation, but now it seems like there's just such a wealth of tools and assets and sound bites and synths and effects. And, and uh, so I'd like, yeah, I'd like to hear a little bit about how you've seen the process of music, music creation and music production change. Oh yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, in the last 50 years, it's unbelievable where technology has taken us um, with music. And I think a big part of that is how huge technology is in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our culture is based around everything technical. We're, we're on our phones all day and, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable where that's taken us musically. It all started mm-hmm. with the synthesizer. Right. Um, when that was created, it kind of created this whole wave of, of synth-based music and electronic-based music. And um, yeah, with that, it's, it's just been progressing at a more rapid pace. And now we've, instead of having to, to search out these analog synths, we've got an almost infinite, pretty much infinite, catalog of presets and sounds from everything that you could possibly imagine and even with that there's still you know almost an infinite away infinite way to tweak each individual right yeah it's interesting because on the one hand you have such a vastly increased variety of sounds that you can make especially as you know a solo like so-called bedroom dj but on the other hand, some people have said that it makes a lot of songs sound similar because they'll use the same synths and samples and 808 bass and that kind of thing. And, you know, like one example is every rap song, they've got like the... And they've got like... yeah. There's just certain sounds that you hear over and over again and in, you know, especially popular music like hip hop and pop. So... Yeah, I mean, how do you see the balance between it being so easy that songs start to sound similar versus there's just so many more possibilities now? Well, I think... Like, how do you keep your sounds sounding unique? Do you, like, tweak them slightly? Do you find libraries that are more under the radar? I think, yeah, tweaking them. um, And honestly, the best thing you can do is, is just run with your mistakes. And that's something, you know, my brother is really passionate about, too. He'll, you know, do some some weird feedback with the guitar and think it sounds amazing and put it into the record because, wow. 
you know, he's he just loves the subtle differences that really make it an art statement rather than, you know, kind of the cookie cutter right. verse, you know, thing. thing yeah, I've heard that talked about in relation to the Beatles where, you know, Ringo Starr, the drummer, he had kind of a lazy style of drumming where if you actually look at it mathematically, his drum beats are a little bit lagging behind the rhythm of the rest of the song. And it kind of gives this sort of laid back vibe Yeah. where if you had just done it electronically, it would have been totally on point. And maybe the Beatles songs wouldn't sound quite as, you know, laid back and, you know, groovy as they sound. To oh, us. 100%, 100%. And I think, I mean, there are kind of subgenres, um, like glitch hop style, you know, beat making that, kind of play off of that idea um you know of not being perfectly on time right or even like noise music yeah which is all about asymmetric sounds unexpected and you know not something that i'm personally into but it's interesting as a phenomenon yeah definitely definitely and then for your own music production what are some of the tools that are really the most valuable to you and like if you were to recommend some you know one of our listeners if they want to be a music producer like what would be like the couple tools that you would say would would be good for them to get started i would say first and foremost um ableton i'm a huge fan of ableton uh, i just think as far as composition and and playing around with ideas it's nothing nothing can beat it um just the the format of the whole program is designed to to really get creative and and to be able to test out different things rather than you know laying down something and, and keeping it it's more mm -hmm. of um it's it's easier for the creative process so I, I would definitely say ableton and the other thing about ableton is it comes with it comes with you know a great bunch of sounds that you can work with but mm. obviously um, there are a ton of other uh plugins that you can get and it's a really good starting point. Um, yeah, but I, I would say plugins, I, I guess it depends on what you're trying to make. Um, I would say Omnisphere is, is amazing. Um, mm. It's got some really powerful sounds. Um, Are there any like super novice apps where you can just like on your phone? Like, I mean, I know there are, but are there any that stick out to you as being better than the others yeah i actually i haven't really gotten into that yeah i have because i know really that it seems like it. there's a new one every month and none of them have stuck that much but yeah it does seem like it's going to keep getting simplified but then to be truly an outstanding producer you can't just sound the same as everyone else yeah um i think that's the thing with those apps is they're they're fun to play around with for maybe 15 or 20 minutes but yeah i I, I couldn't imagine myself diving in and really focusing and creating something that I would be really love and be proud of on, on those apps. But. Right, right. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit next about how music tastes and preferences have changed. Because to me, this is one of the most fascinating parts about music is that, you know, we used to have like dubstep was really popular when we were, you know, in our like early high school years. And now it's like, mumble rap pop kind of seems to be like the most the dominant sort of music trend but obviously yeah. it, it just it changes so much over time how do you uh view that those changes are they a reflection of 
just the times? Is it sort of like art where it's always a refl- like a reaction to what the previous trends are? Or does it really say something about the specific time of growing up in the 60s or growing up in the 2000s or growing up in the 2020s? And do you think it's, is it moving towards any end point or is it more, more like art where it's cyclical and stuff goes out of style, but then it comes back in style? Like, how do you view taste and preferences? Yeah, I definitely, it's interesting because we've gone from kind of such avant-garde style. You look at a band like Led Zeppelin and then you compare it to someone like Cardi B and I mean, it's it's interesting how we've gone this route of of kind of you know exploration in 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 that in you know the '60s and '70s, and then we've kind of gone back or or gone towards like a very mathematical right um, or know. like Drake, which has been compared to like elevator music, which is just you could have it in the background anywhere and it's not gonna offend anyone, and it's just like. Like it's really nice music for a broad part of the population, whereas something that's more, um, you know, abstract or just like crazy long guitar solos and stuff like that seems to be less prevalent. It almost seems like it goes along with the shortened attention span where people are less like if there's a song that has a one minute intro before it gets to the main riff, most people can't deal with that anymore. Yeah, you know they have. That's why they have radio edits, and they just cut to the chase. It's a fairly short song, you know. It has one build up, it you know then it drops, then it has maybe another one or two build ups, and then the song's over. Yeah, so it does seem like it's moving along with attention spans. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and it's also the format of it is, it is made to play on the radio, or it was for so many years. Where that's, I think that that honestly we're kind of in the end of that cycle right now yeah and i i do think that it's it's kind of a cycle where you know everything old is new again and um you know we're gonna come back i personally i believe that we're kind of in the beginning of coming back to a more analog um phase and kind of Mm. coming back to um moving out of the really um the format the strict format and kind of moving into you know, more exploratory uh, kind of genre of music. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's when I think of of someone like, I don't know if you know Masego or uh, or like Sufjan Stevens. It's like these guys, not only do they know how to play an analog instrument really well, but they also know all of the electronic uh, stuff. So they can create these incredible productions. And I mean, the first time I saw Sufjan Stevens, I had always assumed it was like this whole band, but it's just this one dude. And it's absolutely incredible the stuff that that he can create. So I think you're I think you're right that it's like what's old out of style becomes new again um, and becomes in style again. But it still brings with it like the additional advantages of having the new technology where you can really bring the best of both worlds. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to talk. You, you mentioned that you know, the radio culture is kind of dying in the music industry that it used to all be about getting your music up on radios. But now it seems like getting your music popular on streaming platforms, whether it's SoundCloud or Spotify or Apple Music, iTunes, whatever it is, that's the main goal now. And, you know, I think this is also connected with what does it mean to become a star, right? Like, Mm -hmm. 
you know, have you seen the movie A Star Is Born? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that movie to me is like the classic story of how we think of someone becoming a star in music, where they're discovered by someone who already has has some influence, and then the the record label basically makes them into the right marketable package. Yeah. And they give them dance lessons. They change their hair and outfit and whatever. And then they, you know, make their plan for their tour. And then the musician just performs. You know, obviously the the lion's share of the revenue goes to the label. Um, in 2017, even only 12% of all music industry revenue go, went to musicians. Mm. So it's relatively small. But the good side with that model is that all you got to worry about is your talent. And what I'm seeing now where as opposed to that story, you know, you look at someone like Billie Eilish and she pretty much became popular in her own right on SoundCloud just by building her own following, which includes coming up with her own album art, promoting herself and herself on social media. And she really rose to the top without any help from a record label. And, you know, now that she's already a star, obviously the labels want to, you know, jump on her and, yeah. and you know, become part of that gravy train. Um, but it, it does seem like it's a lot harder. It's a lot more competitive now to become a musician. And you can't just be good at music. You have to also be really good at marketing yourself. Is that is that something you've noticed? Oh, yeah. Marketing has become, you know, a much bigger part of, of the music industry right now. It's, you know, because there is so much saturation. There's so many people out there who are really amazing producers and they can do it from their laptops at home um you know in between their their two jobs and and really make incredible records and and what would you recommend like because i know there's sort of two schools of thought with how to become a famous musician one school of thought is just keep putting out your music and even if you know early on you're just getting you know 50 plays 100 plays 200 plays, 1,000 plays, you can build your way up over time. And the other school of thought is you should just not release anything and build up all of this mystique around your persona and then all at once drop like the album that you've been working on for years and you've done all this marketing beforehand. And like which school of thought would do you think is more... Uh, viable or does it you know does it depend on the, the person like what, what's your experience then? I think it I think it always depends on the situation it's always you know such a situational thing um, yeah it's 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 tough to say about that and that's that's definitely something that I struggle with too is you know you've got this this music that you're really proud of and you know when is the right time to right. To, to you know to release it and it is it is such a funny thing these days because it's it is an amount of luck um or being in the right place at the right time that has led mm. to giant success for some of these artists and why do certain songs resonate so much with people whereas other songs are just discarded like what is it about that is it that it's very much vibrating in a similar way as the cosmos is vibrating in this day and age among conscious beings who are consuming music because it does seem like music gets at a certain truth that is ingraspable with words but mm. i mean anyone who's been at a concert and just felt the energy of all the people around you it's almost like a singularity of consciousness driven by everyone 
vibing to the same exact rhythm as everyone else thanks to the music and some music has a more enjoyable vibe than others or maybe just not more enjoyable but more fitting for whatever the mental state is of conscious beings in that place and time yeah i think it's kind of all about um you know really deriving an emotion from a song mm. that resonates with people and this could be for a specific time period um where at, you know people in adolescence are, are going through a time of a lot of change right and right. i know we were talking about this earlier some music um like electronic music for, for young men, you're, you're, you yeah. need an outlet. And that's kind of, that can be one. Right. Well, I know, I mean, even in my own music journey, I started out where I loved classic rock, like, you know, probably mostly because that's what my dad listened to. And so, you know, Led Zeppelin and, and you know, the Beatles and, and the Who and all those bands were my favorites. And then I sort of dabbled a little bit in hip hop. But then once I reached like, you know, high school where you're really searching for meaning more than anything. That's when EDM really became something that I found a lot of meaning in. Mm -hmm. And I know we went to a lot of raves together and, and, um, you know, found, found love in a hopeless place. And all. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but it's funny cause we used to absolutely love electronic music and dubstep and, and trap music. And mm -hmm. we would just go crazy and, Dionysian revelry and all that and now my music taste is much more subdued um, you know as a 27 year old man now I like classical music I like more down-tempo electronic I like more like alternative you know like the pixies or, or something like that but I've definitely mellowed out so th there does seem to be something about adolescence that makes you want to have more rhythmic energetic communal experience but also music that has emotion yeah. like you know there's especially with electronic music um in like trance music there's always some you know female voice talking about love or meaning yeah. or, or something like that and it just really resonates with adolescence so oh a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah i think i think that's that's a huge part is is kind of speaking to a part of the population that's maybe going through something in their lives and and an artist is kind of able to represent that in sound and, and emotion i think that's that's kind of yeah. what it is and there are i looked into some of the gender differences and age differences as well and as far as gender uh, what i found is that females are more likely to derive mu uh, meaning from music that they hear which is not so surprising because women tend to have more emotional intelligence and they're just more tapped into that. Yeah. And men tend to like more bassy music, the, especially like bass that's the kind of like rebellious. And, mm. um, but that also is associated with an increased risk of, um, you know, borderline personality disorders, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, and then as far as age groups, um, you know, it really does depend a lot on the generation as far as like what types of music they listen to. But there does seem to be, you know, on adolescence, they tend to like more of the communal, you know, high energy. Whereas, you know, as you get older, you tend to oftentimes like more mellow music. And your personality is also a factor in this from what I found where, you know, there's the big five indicators like 
openness, extroversion, um, agreeableness. And each of these factors also has a relation to certain types of music, like people who are really agreeable, which is someone who's just like, 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 oh, you want to get sushi? Yeah, sure. Oh, no, actually, let's get Mexican food. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's get Mexican food. You know, like yeah, someone yeah. who just kind of agrees and they just they're more about keeping up the relationship. Those people tend to really like conventional, like more like pop, like mainstream, like top 40 kind of music. Huh. Um, and people who, whereas people who, uh, you know, have different traits, but have different preferences. But it's interesting to me because what that says to me is that music gets at a deeper level with how someone is vibing. I mean, that's really the, I think the best way to express it. It's like everyone's on a certain wavelength and that's reflected in their personality, in their music preferences, in their behaviors. And that's also one of the reasons why music is one of the best ways to match uh, roommates in college. Really? Where they will ask, what music do you like? And they will match you with someone else who likes that kind of music. And this has been one of the most reliable ways to match roommates who end up getting along. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. I think, uh, yeah, I think music is is really a, a way to kind of define or, or kind of pinpoint exactly who you are or how you feel you are. And yeah, yeah I think... I, I mean, I was even joking sense. the other day, like we were on a hike in Temescal Canyon and, you know, there was people who would basically have like a Beats pill playing music in their backpack while they're hiking. And we were all yeah. making fun of them. We're like, dude, just put on headphones. I don't want to hear your music. Yeah. Like, I want to listen to nature right now. But I feel like the reason why so many people do that, they like, you know, carry around the boombox on their shoulder. Yeah. It's because they're so proud of their own identity that's reflected in the music that they're playing. And they're basically yeah. saying, hey, these wavelengths that are coming out of this boombox, these are the wavelengths that represent me mm. and my conscious experience as a being, as a living being. And that that seems uh, very powerful, even on an individual level, but then when you're in a concert environment, it's even much more extreme. I mean. The, just the highs and lows of emotions when you go through a phenomenal concert, when you're living in the moment. Yeah. Like that's something incredible. Well, I love that. I love that so much. Um, you know, you're, what you just said about the guy with the beats thing and yeah. I'm just flashing back. There's so many times and I think, you know, that really is, that's something that's going to stick with me. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think the next thing that would be great to discuss is, more how music discovery has changed. So we've talked a lot about how it's different now to be an artist, to be on your path to stardom, to create music. But I'd like to take it now a step and look at how the process of music discovery has changed. And I know with my personal discovery, you know, obviously it started with albums. Like I would just basically memorize certain music albums. And then, you know, from there, streaming became much more prominent and with streaming it seems like there's really two ways of of organizing music there's the spotify way which is recommendations based on what they think you're going to like predictively and then on the other side you have something like bandcamp which is all about discovery finding songs and musicians that you have not heard before 
And the result of this, from what I've seen, is that 99% of all streams go to the top 10% of artists. Hmm. And this is a much greater percentage than what we've seen in the past. In the past, it's been like, you know, 75% of all album sales will go to the top 10% of the artists. But now it's like 99%. And it seems like because Spotify just wants to, you know, they want you to keep listening as long as possible. Yeah. Especially on the free version where they get ad revenue. Yeah. And so they'll play. They're not going to risk showing you some song that's only got 50 plays, you know, with some unknown artist, even though it could be an incredible song. They're going to show, you know, they're going to play Cardi B. Uh, yeah. Because that's, that's what you're probably going to listen all the way through. Yeah. Um, so I guess, how do you go about music discovery? And are you cognizant at all about, you know, not being too biased towards what's already popular? Like, how do you go about finding new, cool diamonds in the rough? Um, honestly, I think the best way for me, it used to be um, searching on blogs. I know that we yeah. were so into that for a while, but... I, I mean, I think, you know, the more the more that I've been kind of trying to search, I think the most effective way is to go see bands that you don't know mm. and to go experience it live. So you have that immediate connection and you, you've got the energy, you've got the feeling and you really experience the music. I think that's probably been the most effective way where I actually find bands that I listen to long term yeah and especially at festivals oftentimes the favorite artist at a festival will be one that i did not even know about before i got there oh definitely i mean that happened to me with alabama shakes at coachella it happened to me with glass animals you have glass animals which i have a shirt on right now same um so yeah i mean i i think you're totally spot on and that seems to be the main way that musicians earn money nowadays Mm -hmm. there's no album sales basically none and you know song downloads are also dying like you know when was the last time you bought a song on itunes yeah so really and you know streaming you make basically diddly squat unless you're one of the top artists on spotify you're not going to make much from streaming so it's really all about your diehard fans do they buy merch from you do they go see you live when you're performing I mean, that's the real way that musicians are making money nowadays, it seems like. Oh, 100%. The album is almost, you know, a promotion for the live show. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tricky, I think, going forward to predict how musicians are going to continue to make money in the future. How would you, what would you predict as how the trends could change? I, I, I really do think it's it's going to be all about live shows i think mm. that that's kind of the one thing that's left where it's it's still worth it's still worth it for the consumer to pay to get this experience and to have that feeling that we were talking about yeah i think i think it's going to be i don't see that dying off anytime soon right and you know the more that malls die and people get laid off because machines are doing a lot of the work better than they could do, the more people are going to crave experiences. And that's why, I mean, I was just in San Francisco. I see a lot of these malls and stores closing down and in Mm -hmm. place of them are experiential businesses like co-working spaces or workout studios. And 
people are willing to go and travel and see their favorite musician and be a part of something, you know, like Burning Man, Lightning in a Bottle. There's so many more festivals nowadays than there used to be. And it does seem like that's a signal that there is more of a desire to have this communal, almost religious-like experience. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's it's totally about being a part of something bigger than yourself and and going and feeling that energy and connecting and kind of getting out of out of yourself for a little bit and and really being you know submerged in in the music and the experience yeah and that's one of the things i love most about music is that there's no purpose to it you're not trying to get anywhere you know the alan watts famously said that the purpose of dancing is to dance you're not trying to get to some specific place in the ballroom yeah you're just supposed to swing and this sort of goes hand in hand with what people like to do in general. It's like, oh, if you don't have any work to do today, what are you going to do with your time? You're probably going to play a game, maybe, which has like a rhythmic sort of dancing nature to it. You might listen to music. You might start creating rhythms. It's like people love to, to swing. And that's one of the reasons why I actually think being a musician is one of the purest professions because you're purely creating conscious experiences that reflect a certain vibration, vibrational frequency of what living in the world could be like or is like for the people who are listening to it. Yeah. Like I think being a musician, being a stand-up comedian, um, even being, being a filmmaker, I think these are, are some of the noblest professions, even though you wouldn't typically think of them like that because there's so pure purpose. There's not like, it's not about, there's no indicators of whether you're doing it well, like, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, other than the conscious experience of, of, you know, consuming the music. Yeah, um, definitely. So I have just one more question for you and then I'd like to get into the future scenarios. Cool. So my question is, what would a world without music be lacking? Oh man. Like what would you, like if you had the choice to live in a world that did not have music or a world that does have music but you know you live in a I don't know authoritarian regime or something like <laughs> maybe maybe we don't need to do that but yeah, like yeah. what do you feel like music adds to the world that it would seriously be missing if there were no music I think it adds so much I think one of the biggest things it adds is is bringing people together um you know who who normally wouldn't be brought together mm. and and sharing this this common love and experience and being able uh to connect with one another on even just having similar music tastes on something you know yeah. like that it's yeah. it's so easy um to immediately connect with someone when you realize that you both have that same feeling and I yeah, think, yeah. that's interesting it's almost like a, a the sorting hat for conscious beings yeah and like who vibes with whom yeah oh yeah. definitely definitely but yeah i think it'd be missing um yeah that connection overall i think that's that's really and and you look to you know ancient tribes in africa with mm. with drum circles and it's music has always been a part of human nature and it's you know really formed our culture and who we are today so i think 
I think human beings would be drastically different, drastically yeah. different without music. All right, Connor. So what is the worst case scenario for the future of music? Worst case scenario. I think the worst case scenario, um, you know, would honestly be a world where algorithms are, are kind of the ones creating the music that everyone listens to. I wow, think. that's that's something we haven't talked about. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I think that would be kind of the worst case scenario long term. And it's something, you know, that I know that we we have we, we've we've talked about algorithms controlling and I know that in hence the future it's a huge giant topic. Yeah. It's, it's it's the reality of where we're moving right now and And why do you think that would be a bad outcome? Like, couldn't it be possible that the algorithms would be so good that they would get you into a state of vibing that might even be more accurate than what another monkey human brain could produce? See, I almost, I I almost think it is that possible. And it's, I think it's likely too that algorithms could really study, you know, some of the world's most popular music and, and come up with. A replica of it and yeah well it, it, it's interesting because it seems like music as it exists today without you know algorithms creating music it's almost like a flourishing of humanity where someone creates some incredible song everyone hears it and then everyone's mental and conscious states slightly shift and then they you know new music is created so we're, we're constantly like unfurling our future with music tastes and preferences and culture in a very organic biological way. Definitely. Whereas if we made it more algorithmic, I could see that, you know, especially as a marketer, I could see that being focused towards a specific end. Like what music can we play in this shopping mall to get people to, you know, spend as much as possible? Yeah. And what's like the precise <laughs> tones and sound that will get someone in the right mode for shopping? And it's rather than like an organic flourishing that happens you know biologically and naturally it's almost like a top-down like okay we have infinite potential to trigger different brain states let's trigger the right states that you know line our pockets full of cash yeah kind of thing yep and and knowing human beings i think that's probably where it would end up and it, it yeah it takes out what we were talking about earlier where um, it's it's no longer creating just to create something. It's and no longer creating to express something. It's it's creating something um, to to gain to gain you know to get something at the end of it. And I think that kind of that kind of takes out the the soul of what music really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree. I would agree with that. I think I I pretty much have the same worst case. The only other additional nugget I'll add is that it would be terrible if music was outlawed or if certain types of music were outlawed. And this has been the case in the past with cultural revolution in China and other places. And I think anytime you limit the creative freedom or the freedom of expression, you're really hampering the culture. And, you know, we want humanity and all biological life to flourish as much as possible. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, that's, now let's go to the flip side and talk about the best case scenario. Best case scenario. 
what do you think would be the best case scenario from an artist's perspective and from such as someone who loves music perspective? Yeah, I think um, best case scenario definitely would be, you know, a, for me, it would be kind of a return back to our roots. Um, yeah, return back to, you know, what how music originally started and, and, mm. and how it um, kind of kind of evolved over time. I think that it, it kind of continuing to grow and and continuing to add on the the other features that um, like electronic music and electronic sounds on, on top of analog. I think we are kind of doing it and this is um, you know arguably best case scenario even though right a, a lot of people could probably say it's not. Well I think what you're getting at is deeper more meaningful experiences and that seems to be a theme of this episode where you know we talked about how in 2017 even 12% was that was all the revenue that went to musicians a lot of it's in the scaffolding of the business if we move to more of a world where we were directly communicating and contributing to the musicians that we know and love and we could you know have more intimate concert venues where we're really connecting with like-minded people and I think the streaming platforms have a big potential for good in this regard where if they start to tweak their algorithms a little bit more on discovery and if they give a greater share to the artists themselves to create you know to trigger more flourishing and and more creation of of uh you know desirable or um, mental states through music then that would be a great outcome yeah i think i I think um you know part of the reason that the music industry has grown um it and and has grown into something good is is the fact that anyone can create something special Mm. right now and it, it pretty much allows anyone with with only limited resources uh to really create something to express those feelings and to get those emotions out there and you know with that you know comes a lot of a a lot of things that make it harder for them to get their music out but i think as as far as 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 musical creation and expression i i think that we're only um you know kind of brought it making the horizons a little bit more broad right now Mm. um i think that it is kind of going to be ultimately up to discovery and and up to the algorithms to save us right, here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's, it's a give and take. Definitely. Great. Now let's get into the most likely scenario. Most likely scenario. So I can, I can start in this regard. I, my most likely scenario is one in which for at least the near term, this trend will continue where, the vast majority of plays go to the top 10%. But then I think this trend is going to wane and it's going to be more, it'll be cooler to be into music that's more under the radar. And especially as just more musicians, you know, create incredible content. And every year there's like way more artists and albums and songs than anything in history combined. Yeah. So as that continues, I think there is going to be more discovery and, there's just less and less need for a lot of the industry scaffolding. It's like, 
it's got it's getting to the point where one person with a computer and maybe a you know pair of headphones can just create almost anything yeah and so i think the combination of that with the right discovery sort of platforms and then you know focusing on the real experiential part of it like you know whether that's live events like we talked about or even things like oh maybe getting access to a private app where you can message and be a part of this community and actually you know talk to the artist or any sort of intimate experience i think is going to become more and more prominent over time and you know one thing i'll say just to finish off my most likely scenario is that there are going to be a lot more people working in music who are not necessarily music stars themselves Mm -hmm. meaning the industry has so many other ways that you can contribute you know whether it's you know working for a tv show or a movie or creating sound sound bites for a podcast like this like there everything needs good music any video needs good soundtrack any movie any tv show all types of media even store or or a uh, co-working space you need some ambient music that so I, I see music not only as people who are in front of a stage, you know, like rock stars, but everyone working in the industry. And I see that truly flourishing uh, to a great degree in the future. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think I think you summed it up pretty perfectly. I would I would really agree with everything you just said. I think, you know, that is the most likely case scenario. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the future of music. Thank you, Connor Walden, Thanks, for creating Matt. these beats. And thank you to Will Walden and to the Walden Brothers. You can find them on Spotify. And we have a forthcoming album. So we'll be letting you guys know once that drops. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs>